0: Hey guys, let me pray for us, Um, pray for God's spirit to just be gracious to us right now uh, as we go through some time of training. And um, I just want you to ask, ask that the Lord just allows us to uh, to think past um, whatever is going on in our own hearts right now, if there's anything hindering you right now from experiencing joy or experiencing the gospel right now, uh, that God would uh, just allow you to relieve those distractions, Um, just heat or whatever. And pray that God would be glorified, that he would uh, meet us where, uh, where we are today. Okay, guys? So if you would pray at me, uh, that would be great. Bow your heads, please. Lord, that's our heart. We ask that you would indeed um, work, in our, work in our hearts, Lord, right now. And would you be gracious to speak through me and uh, give me your insight, your wisdom, your discernment, Lord, of, of how to care for um, this body, Jesus. We thank you for your holy word. Thank you for providing uh, us with clear insight on how to live life to the full. Thank you for not just giving us uh, a book, but uh, that's because you've given us a savior in Christ. Thank you that we can cling to him and not just information. We can trust him and not just uh, thoughts. So Lord, have your way. And we ask that you would just allow us to enjoy being your people And uh, if there's anyone here who, for whatever reason, still isn't experiencing the gospel, that it might be clear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, if you need Bibles, you can raise your hand, and uh, Leon will provide you guys with Bibles. Actually, we're going through the book of Proverbs right now. And in our local body, what we do is we we go through uh, different books of the Bible, and our heart is to uh, go through the whole counsel of the Scripture. Reason being, we just want to make sure uh, that we're not staying in those places that are kind of uh, good for us, that are kind of safe for us, but we want to really get the whole gospel of Jesus. So, um, yeah, there's Dami with some Bibles. Uh, we have a hand up down here, Dami, I think. And so, uh, if, yeah, if you, if you need a Bible, let us know. Um, if you open up your, your trifold, there's, there's opportunity for notes there. And I also want to just remind you guys that on your trifold, usually there is a memory verse that if you... Um, If you want to grab, let me see where it is here. Uh, Right here, you can just, there's usually a verse that coincides with what we're speaking on uh, that you can be memorizing throughout the week uh, to sort of use, you have that as good use. So I just want to encourage you in there. And also, I want to encourage you guys, if you've been coming to Macav and uh, you've been hearing sermons on on Proverbs, uh, there there are uh, a Proverbs packet to the left if you walk out of the foyer. And I love this packet because... The cool thing about it is it has, um, we have people in our body, our leaders, uh, JD, worked so hard in getting all the different topics. Because uh, the, the, the thing about Proverbs that, that I'm, I'm kind of like it's been kind of a, a, a weird series in that we do expository teaching. And Proverbs, what, the, the way the genre works out uh, in wisdom writings is they focus on topics, okay? And so uh, the best way to teach Proverbs and, and remain true to the text is to see what is, the proverb, what is the book saying about a particular topic and then do a systematic theology within the book on what God is saying about that topic. So that's what we've done. So uh, we have all the different topics sort of drawn out for you, and I think it's an awesome Bible study. It's an awesome sort of cheat sheet for you guys. Uh, I want to encourage you to grab that uh, for sure. Um, with that said, understanding that genre and what we're doing right now, understanding that uh, Proverbs, basically the, the concept is wise and skillful living, Uh, And and we need it, obviously, as people. Um, And particularly in a lot of these circumstances, because we're talking about friendship today. And in friendship, uh, the reason when you you know you need wisdom uh, a lot of times when when there's uh, not a moral difficulty, right? Uh, Some things are just right and some things are wrong. Uh, But you, you, you really need wisdom when both things can be right. Right when, they're, when it's like, you do, do you do something good or do you do the best thing? And so that's when you really need wisdom, is when there's not a huge more difficulty, but you got two things and God gives you the freedom to do both. And the question is, which one should I do? And that calls for wisdom. Okay, So that's, um, that's sort of what uh, we'll be talking about today, even as we talk about friendship. Okay, guys? Um, what I want you to do, you can just uh, look up here, hopefully the verses will be up there and and we'll flow through uh, the different contexts. And I'm, I want to start by just discussing some different truths about uh, friendship and understand that's a very serious issue, uh, friendship, uh, because, like, who you hang around with uh, really affects uh, the gospel uh, and the mission. And, and we're, we're, we're in a day and age where we're, we're taught two things. First, uh, you kind of just become friends with those who are around you. Okay, you just kind of, it's kind of deli- it's not deliberate. Uh, but we're also taught in our society uh, that the goal is to have the most friends you can. Uh, and so, so the goal is to have to have as many friends as you can, no matter how shallow they are. Right? And that's why everyone's, you know, fighting hard to get tons of friends on Facebook, you know, you know in our in our, in our flesh we just love being able to say we have 1000 friends or, you know, 800 friends. Or we we love the fact that people see what we do. Uh, Twitter, we love having a lot of followers, right? And we never, we never pause to ask ourselves, is there any intimacy in that? Is there any intimacy in those relationships, right? We even we love it. We love when we can go to different areas of life, you know, from college uh, to, you know, being a, a working citizen. You, you, you build these, you compile all these people you know, and we think, wow, I, I got a lot of friends. I want to sort of uh, hopefully debunk that uh, through the scriptures, So here's some truths that I want you to uh, really process through. And one thing in our local body is we say, hey, you can ask questions because my desire, the desire of this local body as we minister and neighbor here is not for you just to get smarter. We really want to dialogue to make sure that you're understanding what God says uh, so that it can lead toward worship. Okay, the goal is worship. So ask questions if you feel like it will benefit the body. Um, If you got something specific, you can come talk to me for sure. Okay, here's the first truth. About friendships. They seem to be, they're essential to life and community. That seems to be uh, the posture that Proverbs is giving us, okay? Let's look at some verses here. It says in uh, Proverbs 17:17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It also says in 1824, a man of many companions may come to ruin. So you can have a lot of people, but that doesn't mean much. But there's a friend who sticks closer uh, than a brother. Now, he's, he's trying to make a point here. Uh, that a friend uh, can be many times, a true friend can be more important than a sibling, okay? Why? Why do you think that's the case? The reason why that's the case is because we're born into families, okay? And so families will, they'll stick with you. It says, you know, their brother is born for adversity. You have hard times. The family will be there for you. But, But the reality is, and I've seen this as a counselor and in my life and in my family. Your family members with people sometimes, although you'll be there for them, you really don't like them. Right? Or am I the only Christian in the house? You know some of y'all don't like y'all family members. All right? So you really don't like them, but, but you're committed to them because they're part of your family. Like you weren't, you, you, just, you, you just, you're part of this deal whether you like it or not. The difference there is that you choose friends. Right? So you, you actually, it's not just that they're, they're just here, but a friend actually chooses you. And, and the word that he uses um, in the text is the same word that's used in Genesis uh, for the sake of, of cleave. It's that, it's, that, it's that sense of that commitment, that, that passionate love. And so what, so what Proverbs is trying to do to you and me as it's building a strong hermeneutic of friendship is trying to help us see that Jesus tells us that friends are chosen deliberately. And the reason why he wants it to be a deliberate choice, right, is because he wants us to deliberately choose people who can be about his kingdom advancement, which I'm going to hopefully prove during uh, our time together. So the reason why friends are a deliberate choice is because Jesus actually wants you to choose your friends deliberately, not just, oh, this is this my friend. He wants you, I'm going to say that again, because he wants you to choose your friends deliberately, The second truth, friendship is an issue of stewardship. The reason why Jesus wants you to choose your friends deliberately is because uh, there's a quote uh, that Tim Keller makes. He makes a statement in the context of the scriptures that I'm going to read. He says, in your early life, you are what your family makes you. And later, you are what your friendships make you. Basically, your community forms you. And so Jesus knows this. So when you talk about wise and skillful living in Proverbs, he says, look, I want you, God has called you to choose your friends deliberately. The reason why is because if you don't, your friends are going to shape you. And if you choose unwisely, you have unwise friends. If you have friends that aren't going to point you to what God wants you to be about, you won't be about it. That the stakes are high here. Look what he says in the scriptures. Verse 20 of chapter 13. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see that? Leave the presence of a fool. He says, when, you got, when you're around someone and they're just not a life giver, they're always saying stupid stuff, they're not about kingdom. He says, why are you placing yourself continually in that presence? For there you do not meet words of knowledge. Verse 21 of chapter 24. My son, fear the Lord and the king and do not join with those who do otherwise. Right now, you say, well, how do you do evangelism? Well, no, it's, those, those are impartial. He's, he's not saying don't talk to unbelievers. Of course, we befriend, we care, we love all people, all people who bear God's image because we're about the mission. He's saying you don't build that intimacy, you don't build that, that intimate connection with those who don't love Jesus because they're not going to be about what you're about. You shouldn't be getting advice and wisdom from people who aren't wise. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, no go with a raffle man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. See the sense see that you see the correlation? That man, the people you kick it with are going to pe- be the people you are like eventually. Think about that. The people you give your time to are, are the people you're going to be influenced by and you're going to be like. And so his point is. Friendship is an issue of stewardship. There's a few more truths that he, that he gives us in Scripture here. It says, we, we've heard this, we get this, but companions, um, acquaintances, that, those are very different than friendships. Okay? Uh, I want you to, to, to find that out. I want you, when you get the packet, just go through all the different texts of, about friendships and you'll see the difference. Um, Now, just a quick word, by the way, for the unbeliever, if you're in here right now. uh, Obviously, unbelievers want to have good friendships too. And I want to encourage you to pursue really healthy good friendships uh, and be a real friend. The hard thing, though, I want to encourage you if you're not trusting Christ is two things. I don't get how you get the strength uh, because for for the believer, we yield to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us a strength uh, to try to model a redemptive friendship. Uh, so that would be a hard thing. But also, I feel like the unbeliever, the goals are just drastically different, okay? The goal for the believer, I'll propose in, in all of what we do, and you'll see this in a moment, is, is basically threefold, is that the believer, we, we, we befriend and we do our life because we want to bring honor and glory to God, right? We want to see, we have friendships because we want to continue to have purity and communal health, right? And also, um, we build friendships, uh, because we want to be about God's kingdom. So, so I don't know exactly what, um, what the goals would be for the, fr- the friendship of an unbeliever. I would propose it to be kind of self-centered, which I'm going to go into in a moment. Uh, I just want to throw that out that for, for those of us who are still thinking about Jesus. Um, I, I implore you that, that Christ, he, he, he affects every aspect of our life. Even the concept of even having friends. Um. Another thing is that he assumes in the scriptures uh, that true friends aren't many. Okay, so the assumption um, as we continue to go on is, is, is true friends aren't many, is that if you think you have a ton of friends, uh, the Bible would say it's probably not true. It's very rare uh, to have a ton of friends. And here's why. Because a lot of friendships are narcissistic in, in, their, in their makeup, right? Uh, Tim Keller also says a lot of times you begin friendships... By asking, "Do you love me?" Right? Basically, you want the person to answer that question, and that was me big time. I began a friendship, and I want—I almost wanted this person to prove uh, that they loved me a lot. Uh, whereas it seemed uh, healthy friendships don't start with "Do you love me?" They basically—they usually a healthy friendship starts on agreement on a goal or a mission. They usually start outside of ourselves. You follow me? which I propose to you, which is why it's so awesome to be a believer, and that's the reason why we can have uncommon, common diversity and unity because we can be in any group as believers, and we have this common bond of being on the same mission, and that becomes our catalyst, our stimulus from building true intimate relationships. And then from that, from that stimulation, do we actually begin to connect and dive deeply, not simply because which I would propose is the way we do, we do friendships in America uh, from a utility perspective. Basically, how can I use you and what can I get from you is the reason why we have many friends. That's just fair, right? I mean, that's the reason why I have friends and people I try to meet, right? You meet someone because you think, well, what can you do for me? You don't say that because that seems mean. But a lot of times it's really about how am I going to benefit from this relationship? And when we don't see a benefit, we usually leave. So, so those are just some, uh, just some general truths. Uh, I want to say here are uh, five, when I think of traits, and I, and I say traits in the sense of friendship, but I mean like here are five traits that will help you understand what it means to be a good friend. Here are five traits that maybe can help you understand how to find and detect someone if they're a good friend. Or maybe these traits will help you detect if someone in your life is not a good friend. All right? But, but no matter the case, there's different frameworks. I want you to look at these five traits, and I want you to process them with me, okay? Um, constancy, discernment, carefulness, honesty, and counsel. So I want you to think of these as we go through and ask yourself, like, look at your own life. Look at the life of those who you're befriending. And um, hopefully this will help you, which is my prayer for our local body, is that we will see this area as very important for us as we are about mission um, in our community. First, let's deal with uh, constancy. The con- that, that word means basically faithful, dependable, unchanging, okay? Uh, the scriptures say in verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born uh, for adversity, um, Proverbs twenty-five, seventeen: Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, unless he have his fill of you and hating you. I love that, right? I mean, so so I, I love that concept of like, hey, your friend will love you, but if you always, always coming, they're gonna start to not like you. Okay, so don't be that guy. Uh, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So. Um, the, the, the concept of constancy is this. This is a friend, a, a true friend is not going to let you go uh, to ruin. A true friend is not going to let you fall into the dumps. Um, a, a true friend is going to really be there when it counts, okay? The reality is, uh, you know, when I think of uh, spending time in the scriptures and teaching people, I'm telling you, I, I see over and over again is that we choose friends um, based on usefulness, not commitment, right? We, we, say, we don't say, I'm just committed to you, which is why I love how we do discipleship, actually, because you get into a discipleship relationship with people and you don't necessarily have all this stuff in common. You don't even know if they're going to be useful to you. But you get, you're committed to each other because of the cross. And a relationship starts... Because of the resurrection of Christ. And so now we all have to renew our mind and go, man, okay, this is why I'm here. It's not because we play hoops together we do these other things. And, and guess what? What you usually find out is there are certain things you might like and that can continue to graft the relationship. If you, I, I propose if you're yielding to the Lord. But it's centered around Christ. So that can be hard um, in a culture that tells you you've got to find usefulness first, not commitment. It's about if they can do something for you. It's not by saying I'm here right now, we're going to be committed because of Jesus. That's weird. But this friend doesn't let you go to ruin. Um, I mean, this, this is the kind of, you know, this friend is not the one you tell him something, you need some help, uh, and they'll say, well, no, they say, whenever you need me, just give me a call, right? Uh, you, know, you, know, you know that friend's hurting and you're talking to him. Uh, you ever had that? You, you know a friend's hurting and you don't know what to do. We've all, I've been guilty of this. Sometimes because I just don't know what to do. And, and I'm talking to the person who's hurting. I'm like, you know, trying to talk to them and love on them. And I'm just kind of like, hey, you know, well, give me a call. You need something. What I'm realizing is this friend probably goes to their house. I, I was, I've experienced this uh, uh, practically. Uh, I remember... Um, one time I was at a, um, a movie. I've seen this. I can, I can give so many examples in our body because I feel like we have, I have some, some unbelievable, unbelievable friendships here. Um, and I remember it was a crazy, crazy storm. So me and Josh, we had the movies kicking it. And it's uh, this is crazy, I'm talking a crazy storm. And our fence in the back of our house just blows, like two or three big panels, like, you know, six feet or so, uh, blow down. And, if, and everything's going crazy, you know. The, the power goes out. On our street, and Sarah's there with, do we have four kids or five kids then? Um, you know, who's counting? And so, um, and she's there by herself, it's, it's hot, the power's out, the fence is blown down, and I'm like, oh my god, and we're at the movies kicking it, right? And uh, I'm thinking, so I'm like, I was like, call Nate, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I was like, we're, we're here, and my wife calls calls Nate. And, you know, I mean, and I'm not trying to indict any of us. I mean, you know, sometimes somebody, when there's so much adversity in our community, which there is, you know, it's in the flesh. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to pick up the phone because that's another thing I have to do for somebody. Or, and I could think fleshy like that, right? Well, I'm praising the Lord that he didn't do that with my wife, you know. Picked up the phone, came over in the torrential rain. Like it hadn't stopped. It was, I mean, blowing rain everywhere. He's fixing my fence, you know, and making sure that my wife is feeling safe. He has his family right around the corner. He could have said, "Well, you know, could you call somebody else? Could you do this?" You know, I get home, and the fence is—it's all makeshift in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was—it's uh, like a plastic. So he was just kind of—but he made sure that she felt secure. That's the kind of friend who's constant, who says, "You know what? I'm going to be there when it matters." See, I want to propose to you, and don't, don't miss this, you you've crossed. You realize uh, another good word from Tim, you cross over into friendship when, when the friendship is not a means to an end, but it's an end in itself. When you're not a friend with someone so that, dot, 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 but you're a friend because you love that person, and it's not about what they can get for you or give you. Uh, number two, discernment. Look what the scriptures say about discernment, guys. There's good and bad discernment. When you think of friendship, uh, verse 20 of chapter 14 says, "The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends." Verse 28: A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. So you got the first one. Uh, here's a guy who's who's lacking discernment because this person, a uh, utility, right? I, I want to be this person's friend because they got stuff. And, and, and the sad reality is the, 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 the person who doesn't have stuff gets left off in the sauce, right? It's kind of left out, right? You see that? How many of us do that? How many of us struggle with that, right? We're kind of like, whoa, but you, you've got stuff, you know? If it, is it intellectual pedigree? Is it money? Is it you have a family line that's awesome, you know? What is it? And we go, I want to I hang with you because look at all the stuff I get. And you, you don't offer much. Actually, you always taking my time. How many of us are guilty of that? How many of us struggle with that as we neighbor, right? It says right there, right? Hey, bad versus good discernment. Look at verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. See, the gossip. You're around people, and they always got something to say about somebody, and it's usually not good, right? And you kind of think, well, I'm just going to keep loving on them, I'm going to keep hanging with them. The Bible's saying, man, these guys are just cantankerous. It's not wise. Look at this. We see it again. Verse 4 of chapter 19. Wealth brings many new friends. See, if you got stuff, your people, go, they want to hang, right? You know what I'm saying? You don't believe me? They win a lot. I'll see what happens. Get all kind of cousins, right? We, yeah, we family, bro. So, but, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. See, that, that kind, the, whole part, the, whole, the point that the Lord is trying to give us and help us understand is that in our, this is how we act. This is, Remember, wisdom, the wisdom literature really is saying this is how we normally act. So just be aware of that and yield to the Spirit. That in, your, in our natural realm, we, we are utility people. I want to hang with the, the guy that got stuff, not the guy who doesn't. I want to build that relationship, Right? Look, it says in verse uh, six and seven, many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, uh, but does not have them. You think, man, why does he give so much airtime to that issue? Because it's so prevalent in our hearts. I want us to pause and think about that because we live in a community where we can be prey of that, And we have an opportunity to dive in and love and care and be friends and love across difference. But I I propose it's hard when you're thinking about something outside the gospel. So discernment's important, guys, because, again, let me just propose to you that what we do, usually, we we don't think discernment we think friendship, Right? You go to the movies with people who go to the movies, right? Someone call you right now. Basically, a lot of times our friendships are developed by the whole squeaky wheel mentality, right? The, the squeakiest wheel gets the grease, right? So the person who calls you first hangs with you first. Have you ever had that? You're sitting around. Have you ever had that? And you someone calls, and hey, you we all go we to the movies, and then you're sitting at the movies, and you're like, I don't even really know this dude. I don't even like him. Why am I here? Because we don't think intentionally, we don't go, you know what? I'm trying to build into certain friendships for the glory of God. I'm going to spend my, my, my disposable time on dot, dot, dot. We're not that intentional. I'm proposing that the scriptures are trying to teach us to be intentional about kingdom in that way when we develop friendships. And not just, well, oh, I'll just kind of be flipping and whatever happens, happens. You know, and we, and we struggle with this, Right? You know, I think of my wife, Sarah. She would love, she has, we all have friends all over the place. Some of you guys are moved here. You've graduated from school. That's the hardest part, right? When you graduate from college or you, or you come from somewhere and you come in, you find yourself, right, trying to navigate all these other relationships, right? you got all these other relationships. But here's, here's what, what we realize when you talk about deliberate friendship. At the end of the day, if you're in a community and say, for example, you said, I'm going to plug into Macav." At some point, you got your, your, your focus and your time has to shift toward the mission, right? And I want to propose sometimes we let our friendships determine our mission versus our mission determine our friendships. And so I know it's hard. You've you, you, you graduated from college and all your friends are awesome. But now if you're going to minister in Syracuse, be all in Syracuse. That makes sense? have you ever experienced that? You know, I'll go off to college and one thing I would always see is there's always a few cats who would go off to school, but they would spend every aching moment that was outside their class back at home. And then in four years, they're going, I hated it here. I didn't like it. I didn't didn't even meet anybody. Well, I wonder why. Right? We all struggle with that. Now, I I want to kind of just, put some people on blast. I think you know who, do it, who does it real well that I've seen. Even like, I think, J.D., you do this well. So am I saying you don't ever talk to your family anymore? Of course not. Of course you talk to your family. Of course you visit your friends. Of course you hang. But, but what I love about, I can name J.D., I can talk about the Eggers. I can go around this room. What I love about our people, though, is there's an intentionality of realizing that at some level you're going to sacrifice time with your family and your friends because God has you on mission, that you just absolutely, if you, you can't help healthily be on mission and keep all the friendship and do all that at the same time. Now, the world lies to us and tricks us because we think we can because now you can talk to anybody in the world, you can Skype anybody in the world, you can do Facebook, you can do all this stuff, so you find yourself navigating all these friendships and trying to spin all these bottles and do all this stuff, right? But you, you, get, you have to ask yourself, are you being deliberate about the mission? Is this helping you further what God has called you to be about? Consider that, guys. So the question is, who are you spending time with and why? As, you, as you're here on mission, these are questions we don't like to ask, but they're very important. Hey, the third one's carefulness. A, a good friend uh, is careful. Look at, look, have you ever experienced this? Look at the verse, verse 28 of chapter 3. It says, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, and I'll give it when you have it with you, right? This concept of a, of a person who, is, Jesus is saying, like, if you got it, and someone needs it, and you play them out, and you kind of be kind of selfish, well, come tomorrow, we'll see. He's like, what? Is that, have you ever met somebody like that? You're kind of like, uh. And you get to the point where you don't even want to ask him for anything. It's a, of, it's a concept of selfishness. He's like, don't, don't treat someone like that. Be f- freely give. He said, when you have it with you, why do you act like you don't got it? A, a friend is careful with someone's heart like that. They're not going to treat someone like that. Look at the next verse in another framework. It says, like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Right? So the first point is that when you have the opportunity to do good and you shrink back, that's just not Jesus. When you have the opportunity to do good, do good, guys. And as we says, even in the New Testament, right? If you have the opportunity to do good and don't do it, you, you sin. And I want to propose sometimes um, we can, well, I'll get into this later when we, when we talk about honesty, we can, we can have the opportunity to do good and we don't do good as far as friendship because we're more concerned about our perception of how people perceive us uh, than truly uh, loving our friend. But look at this one. Guy says, man, you, you ever have a friend and, and, you're, and you build a norm where they're always joking, but the jokes are always about you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you, you're kind of like, you don't feel too safe. Right? Or, or there's a scenario where there's something that happened that's really hard, you know? And you're, you're mourning and they're rejoicing about something else. A friend has some sense of, of care for your heart where they see you hurting and they realize, I can, like not hurt if you're hurting. If I'm I a friend, I'm going to be sensitive to your heart enough to go, if you're hurting, I'm going to hurt. If you're rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice. A friend's careful like that. They, they see the person and they're more concerned about the person's heart than their joke or whatever, whatever their, their desire is. They're more concerned about that person and, and, and protecting and caring for that person. A friend is emotionally sensitive to you. Just keep that in mind. It's hard for that person to flourish when you're not flourishing. Um, number four is honesty, guys. Look at what... Um, Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You hear that, guys? This is a hard one for Americans. For us guys, this is hard. All right? Because we love to be loved. We love to be liked by people. Verse uh, verse 27, uh, uh, sorry, chapter 27, verse 9 says, Oil and perfume makes the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Right? We're going to look at those again pretty soon. So this is talking about truth-telling. So you want to be a good friend? Or you want to make sure you have, if you have a good friend, you, you're going to, there's going to be a concept of truth-telling in that relationship. Right? The friendship wounds is what, I, is, is what it's called, right? These are wounds that a friend needs to, to put on another friend, uh, which are painful for him, hard for him to hear, but it's the best thing for him or her, Right? Go to the context when you get home in verses 4 and 5, when it talks about these friendship wounds. Uh, basically, he's paralleling basically a person who, who uh, can love his friend but doesn't because he doesn't speak the truth. He sort of parallels him to kind of like a, a, a bad Judas when you look at it. Because what you and I are saying, when we have an opportunity to love someone by telling them the truth and we don't, we're really saying, uh, that we think we're saying, I love him so much. Uh, that I, I, just, I just can't tell him that. But what we're really saying is I love him so much uh, that I don't want to go through the drama or aftermath of taking the risk of telling him this stuff, right? Here's the point. A true, a true friend doesn't knowingly allow people to enter into disaster. When you see someone sinning or doing something or causing a rebu- rebuke, they don't allow them to enter into disaster. Let me, um, let me give you a practical example. This is good for our body. I want to give you a practical example. So we've already, we've already discerned that basically a person, um, that basically when we talk about friendship, we, the goal always is community, holiness, and kingdom, right? Okay? And so let's talk about honesty, community, and practice. What happens a lot of times is someone can, can sin against us or sin against the church, okay? And the question is, how are you supposed to handle that uh, from the perspective of a friend, okay? So if the goal is, is honesty, right, community and health uh, for this person and purity, what does it look like? Because the culture would tell you to, you know, just let bygones be bygones. But let me read some verses to you that can kind of that, that speaks against that. And what we're talking about here is what does it mean to be honest with a person in love, um, in friendship. Verse, uh, verse nine. It says in Titus three, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogy and arguments and quarrels about the law, uh, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Uh, You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. Uh, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of, of naive people. So you see, these uh, we're talking about brothers. There's, there's people in a the body. They're doing things. These are these are brothers in a body. Things are happening uh, in the body that's causing division. Things are happening that's causing sin. And these are these in the midst of these friendships, they're they're being asked uh, to treat people a certain way based on how they're treating the local body. Okay. So it seems to me that this is fair to say. When you think of friendships, you think of the concept of friendship in sin uh, in our local church, if we talk about a Christian context, we're, getting, we're seeing certain verses that are being very clear about what does it look like to care for these people. It seems the best way you care is to tell the truth about what they're doing, right, and be a united front, not dog them out, but be a united front against it for the sake of the community, for the sake of the glory of God, right, and for the sake of purity, 1 Corinthians 5:12 says for what I what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So again, not judging outsiders, but within the church there seems to be a standard that God gives the people of God in handling one another. Are these isolated Right? No, these are, are these people like not knowing each other? No, these are, these are, they do are in a community. Look what he says here. Second Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that you keep away from any brother who is willing, who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. I mean, these are cats who are just not, they're just kind of just being lazy. Right? In their body. And he's saying, hey, for the sake of God doing a work in their life, He's saying, you remove yourself from them, so in a united voice, they can go, wow, maybe I am tripping. Again, for the sake of purity, for the sake of community, and for the glory of God. That's the goal. The goal is that in friendship, we point people to Jesus. And in, he- in honest friendship, we point people to Jesus. Verse 14, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed like, like that, you, you don't get away with that today. That word is even weird in our culture. But it seems to be a clear biblical framework, a clear biblical mandate of the response of the church to people, our friends, who are in sin. To be honest for the sake of them responding healthily to the gospel. I don't have to go on to Matthew 18 and all the other places. Here's the reality in our local body, we have, we have an opportunity, when I think of even practically bringing this down to our local body, many of us have had or have an opportunity to speak to people in our body who have defamed the church, who have caused a sin in our body, who are doing things that are, that are evil. Now, this is hard, okay? It's hard because we have relationships. We have friendships. But I want to propose to you two things that the Bible is clear first. And this is, what, this is what's interesting, is I feel like you say, well, why do we struggle then? Because it's so clear in the scriptures, and I know we all want to obey the, obey the scriptures. Here's why I think it's hard. Because I think we have a, a kind of a warped view on what church is. We see church as individuals, right? And so we are as individuals, and then things happen to individuals. The Bible doesn't see church like that. The Bible sees Church as an organism, a family. And so I want to propose to you that when you're... And so we wonder, like, what do you do then? I mean, it didn't happen to me. It's, you know, a person didn't sin against me, uh, even in our local body. Well, what what do I say? I, I want to give an example. First, I want to talk about 1 Corinthians 12 speaks against that. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the body is whole. And the foot doesn't say, I don't care what happens to the hand. The concept is that if one of us are hurting, we're all hurting. If one of us have been defiled, we're all defiled. Practical example: Galatians 2: 11 through14. It says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Uh, this is Paul talking about Peter, uh, because he's still condemned like Jews. Paul models here, guys, that he loved Christ enough, the gospel enough, and the Gentiles, and most importantly, Peter enough to rebuke him. Now, what do you think would have happened if Peter wouldn't have uh, confessed and submitted? What do you think would have happened if he he, he wouldn't have repented? I think we have a very different story, (laughs) right? Do you think he would have said, well, I I said something and I don't, you know, No, that would have been a serious issue because the gospel was at stake. Because the way we handle each other demonstrates and proclaims the gospel. So when you think of honesty and friendship being a key metric of us bringing honor and glory to God, having healthy community, and keeping purity in the local body, I want to propose when you're with people and you know that they have an issue, here's, here's what happens. We can think, well, that was an issue with leadership or anything like that. I say you have a warped view of church because that doesn't provide a united front. We don't dog people. But what would it look like if we as a collective body and people came up to us and we say, you know what, this is awkward, and I want you to miss this. This is awkward, but bro, sis, you hurt my body, and you need to be reconciled to our body. See, you you notice I didn't use... They language, he language, because that's not biblical. This is your body. You were hurt. And you know what? I love you, but you need to be reconciled to us because right now you're not. What is that looking like? What's those steps? What would happen if 60 people in discipleship had a united voice and said that? Do you think people would have to pause and go, huh? They're not going to just act like we can have a friendship unreconciled. They're not going to say, no, I'm out here and I'm speaking to that other issue there, but no, we're one church. That's what honesty and friendship does. I just had to take a pastoral moment for visitors because we are trying to learn how to grow and be a body in this church, in this community. And I want our body to not shrink back because the world tells you to have people like you, but do the right thing and stand up as a united voice and speak against evil. What's the goal? Not for people to feel bad. Repentance. It's for people to even say, hey, I don't want to be part of your local body, but I repent of my sin. And we bless people and send people off. Am I making sense? Any questions? Theologically, I want us to build conviction. Because here's the thing, family. I'm okay with us wrestling with the process. What I'm not okay as your leader is you not having biblical conviction. See, you can only wrestle with the process as a Christian when you have biblical conviction. You have to say, here's what the Bible says. Wow, that's hard. Okay, I believe it. I agree. How do I do that? See, we got we to we cross that chasm first. And then we can talk about how to do it. The final piece is um, counsel. Uh, I, I used said the verses already. Proverbs twenty seven nine and twenty seven seventeen. I'll just say that one again. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Uh, this is, and we all struggle with this, uh, guys. I is is a concept. Is a pleasantness, pleasantness of friendship is the goal here. Uh, and that he, and that the, the, the scripture writer is saying that pleasantness of friendship springs from healthy counsel. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you're all there's manipulation somewhere in the relationship, I thought this was such a good word uh, by Dr. Keller. There's Dr. Keller. There's there's manipulation somewhere. If all you're getting is always counsel, where it's like change this, do this, change that, right? When it's always hard truth, but there's also manipulation in the counsel when they're never challenging you. Okay, if you're never being challenged, there's probably manipulation. They're probably there's some there's some there's some reason why a person's never challenging you and I propose it's just toward their end. And at the same time when someone's always challenging you every day you confess it and got ashes and all over the place you know and you you like every day I got to deal with my stuff I want to propose you might say dude calm down can today I just eat a banana right why I got to be up here crying again so there there is a balance a healthy person provides a balance where you're encouraging cats, you're challenging them to holiness, to the gospel, and then sometimes you're just going to the batting cage and people are able to be in process. Now, when you hear all this, it's kind of heavy, a lot of stuff about friendship. I want you to remind yourself about the deliberate piece, about being on mission, about what we're doing in this local body. If you're not part of this church, Don't leave here going wherever you go and just think about shopping at churches and it's always about you and you don't want to commit to nobody or nothing or no leadership because you want to be free. No, you're fooling yourself. You're just arrogant, okay? It's not about just freedom. You're arrogant. You don't want to submit to a local vision and people. I'm asking you, it don't got to be this vision. Go somewhere and submit to what God is doing in the world somewhere. Somewhere. As you hear all this, you might be, I feel like it it brings me to two conclusions. First, I'm like, man, it makes me think of a perfect friend. I'm like, you know, when I'm reading, I'm like, man, that would be an awesome friend. You know, you have this, all this is perfect friend, okay? But then, you know, the other thing it does too, it brings me to despair a little bit, you know? This is true because you you go, man, I look at myself and I realize, I look at every one of these concepts and I'm like, I failed at all of them. And you go, man, well, here's the cool thing. The cool thing about that is I'm proposing that Jesus wanted it that way because what he wanted you to do was not to try to comb the earth to find his perfect friend, but he wanted you to see all those traits, realize you can't meet them all, realize no other person can meet them all, but only one person has met them all, and that's your Savior Christ. See, he wants you to see that and long for that friend and then see that I have that friend in Jesus. He is the one who always counsels perfectly. He's the one who's always careful with our soul, right? right? He's the one who's always discerning and knows when to say what and how to say it, right? He's the one who's always honest. He always makes sure he he helps us understand who we are and who we are not. And yet what he does in that is he says, this is who you are, my enemy, and he makes us his friends. He's the one who's always there. He's always constant. He's never just going, I left you in the sauce. No, he's always there, and he showed that through dying on the cross for you and me. That's the cool thing about what the Bible is trying to do, even when understanding friendship, it's all pointing to the good news that God gave his life for us. And he did that to say, I'm your perfect friend. Quit trying to search for that friend in a human. Quit trying to be that friend for everyone else. Perfect. No, just ask the Holy Spirit to allow you to yield to him so you can be a good friend. But point people to Jesus. Don't point people to you. That's the point. So I want to encourage you here right now, guys, if you are sitting around and mad at some friends and uh, maybe you got to make some conclusions of some people that have dogs you, do your due diligence. But remember, the point of this passage, what God is doing in Proverbs is he's showing us what does it mean for us to be a good friend, for us to have good friends deliberately for the glory of God, and for us to put our trust in the only faithful friend, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Apart from him, you, we are just futile, and we are going around looking crazy trying to find something that doesn't exist. It only exists in Christ, our King. Let me pray for us. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Uh, we're going to do tithe and offering. If you are uh, new here, keep your wallets to your side. We don't want your money. That's not our deal. Uh, you are our guest. We're so happy to have you um, we know we get it at MacAff that this is a time of worship for us. We worship Jesus because he's given us everything. So that's why we do uh, tithe and offering. It's a, it's a sign of worship. It's a worship time for us to say, God, you're giving us everything. Here is your money uh, to do what you want with the kingdom. All this is yours. Um, if you get that as a visitor, if you get the, 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 the theological understanding behind why we get money here, please give to your Savior, but do not give out of compulsion. We're not trying to get your stuff, Okay. Um, we're going to do tithe and offering. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing out, and then we're going to go downstairs. We're going to worship Jesus more through fellowship and uh, taking of communion, okay, guys? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, would you give us the grace uh, to choose friends who are going to help us extend your kingdom? Give us the grace to have the strength to let go of friends who are not going to be about your business. Give us the grace to see the difference between us ministering to people, uh, but also trying to hold on to a, a, a false view of ourselves, a false center, and to repent of that, and to focus on kingdom, to enjoy the kingdom. Lord, give us the grace to to model those five clear character traits that you've provided for us, Lord. And we ask that you would allow us to be good friends to others. To to choose good friends, but most importantly, to trust the only true, real friend. And Lord, we thank you for that. We pray for this tithing offering. We ask that you will be exalted through uh, our giving, Lord. We pray that you will give us wisdom on how to use this stuff for your glory. Um, and Lord, for our local body, would you empower this body to, to, man, just be prophetic and courageous in how we do kingdom life? Lord, I pray for that. Don't allow us to fall prey to our own thoughts. Allow us to submit to your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen.